Hey y'all, what's up? Welcome to the, I guess we'll call this the inaugural episode of Dads in the Class. This is a official LinkedIn Live experience. I'm calling it an experience because it is much more than a podcast. Uh, of course, I am Dion Glad Dad, and this is an extension uh, of another podcast that I do called Black People Parenting, where we talk about uh, just ways and spaces for Black folks to have conversations about raising Black children. Uh, I wanted to extend that. I got this idea a couple of weeks ago to do a podcast specifically geared towards fathers and specifically about fatherhood and what we do uh, in terms of our kids' education. But Because I think it's important that we as fathers are always engaged and involved in our kids' education. And I wanted to create a space for uh, conversations to happen about uh, our kids and their education and how we're teaching them and what they're being taught and the role that fathers play, especially in a time where, you know, so much history is is, is being erased in the classroom and we're getting so many different uh, just challenges and, and obstacles as parents that we have to face when it comes to making sure that our children get the proper education. So I just wanted to create this space and create this uh, opportunity for us to come together and have conversations about fatherhood and about how we can uh, be involved in our kids' education. So for this first episode, I have a real, real good brother, a real good friend of mine, someone who uh, I've shared war stories with. We both have uh, daughters who are in college now who are at the same college. And, um, you know, I just wanted to have him on and, and, and talk to him. He's also an entrepreneur. He's also someone who uh, has ran his own business and owned his own business for several years. So we'll talk about what role that has played um, in his uh, involvement in his daughter's education and just a lot of different things. So this is going to be something different. It's going to be something totally new. Uh, so feel free to leave comments. Feel free to let us know your thoughts. Feel free to chime in on the conversation. But uh, right now, let's introduce the first guest on Dads in the Class podcast, my main man, Patrick Patterson. What's up, good brother? What's up, man? Put your ones up, guys. I'm number one. I'm finally... <laughs> yeah, let's take a moment. I'm finally number one, man. I'm <laughs> 49, and I'm finally number one, brother. I'm glad to be with you, man. Numero uno, man. So thank you for being here, man. So father, husband... Um, father of two, two girls, one is in college, uh, also, uh, just a great influence on my life, man. So it's, it's glad to, I'm glad to have you here. Glad to have this conversation. So let's start off. I want you to share with us the story behind global partners for fathers and families. Uh, and what was like the defining moment that led you to creating that company? Yeah, it's a great, great, uh, great story for me. Um, and I want you to notice the mic that's uh, stationed here. Uh, it's not plugged up, but I'm trying to make sure I'm giving you the vibe. So um, People didn't know that, though. They didn't know that. They didn't know that. Um, I was, for many years, I'm a social worker, um, undergrad from Benedict College in South Carolina, and graduate degrees, master's in social work, master's in public health from USC in South Carolina. And for years, I had worked federal government, foundations, corporately, and I'll never forget, probably in 2015, I was working for a corporation and I was invited to go to Malaysia to speak at a conference. And I'll never forget this, um, this before my business. And these folks found me. I had been doing some stuff internationally and a group in Malaysia wanted me to come and speak at their conference. So I went to my boss, my supervisor, my director and said, hey, I got this free opportunity, free as in travel is covered um, to speak at this conference. And she said to me, um, you can't go. I said, I'm sorry. I mean, I said, it's covered. It's, they want me as a presenter, a trainer. I really would love to be at this conference. And she said, well, I've never been. To, she said, I've never been to Malaysia, as in herself. And she said, so basically, you ain't going before I go. So I left that night um, very hurt um, because for the first time in my life, I had an opportunity in front of me and somebody blocked it. And so I called a couple of mentors. One lady named is Diane Dawson. Um, she's retired now, but she's like a mother figure to me. And she said, take this pain and create your business. Mm. I mean, I was in tears. Um, mm -hmm. I really wanted, I wanted a hug from my mom. I wanted, I don't know what I want. I just felt like, wow. And um, I'm motivated by stuff like that. So I've literally mm -hmm. gotten to the lab, 
started drafting out my plan. My passion, my purpose has been working with fathers. And along the way, I've learned how to write grants and train people how to do that. So I put those two together and I named it. I was going to name it National. But a colleague of mine said, man, I want you to think bigger. I want you to name it Global. And I mm. thought, um, but, you know, every now and then, Dion, you have people who see what you can't see. Um, and it's taken me now to 10 countries um, doing the work and 48 different states. So I'm <laughs> I'm grateful. But the purpose of it was really to take what God has given me, which is a passion for fathers, men and boys, and then allowing other organizations to get funding along the way. So that's been the birth. Um, we're going now on a little more than a decade and haven't looked back since. So I'm, I'm actually glad. And I've seen this lady several times in my travels. And I just tell her all the time, thank you. Uh, mm. Thank you. I usually sneeze that part. Right. But, uh, <laughs> thank you, hate it. Right. But every right. now and then, you need that wall to push you right. away. And that mm-hmm. was a wall that I kicked off of. And it's been happy trail since. Right, right, right. That's good. Now, we both we both cherish our role as fathers, right? Um, again, we talk all the time. How do you believe, even with the work that you do and being, you know, having to travel and having to move around, uh, how do you believe you're still being able to be active and have an active presence in your daughter's lives has influenced their paths in education? Mm, mm. Uh, I'll give you two real, real recent examples. One um, you mentioned earlier, entrepreneur, but I've written two children's books with my daughters. And I can speak about my daughter, who's at the same school as your daughter. In all of her applications, a distinguishing factor was when she wrote that she had written two published children's books. Mm-hmm. That was We didn't write it with that in mind, um, right. but that was huge. Um, secondly, I think my wife is also an entrepreneur. Uh, both of our daughters have started businesses. Um, my my oldest, who's at the same college, she is a nail tech and she she's gotten, you know, classmates, colleagues, you know, from different schools. But also we've had adults who've come to her. So I think her idea and her vision around what is possible, both of them, um, is partly because of my work. And then the last thing I'll say around what I really treasured is with my own business, I've been able to kind of regain or reclaim some of my time, you know, Mm -hmm. so I haven't missed many things related to school. So that's been huge and huge for us. Like Maxine Waters. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now now let's talk about sending our daughters off to college. Now you and I have had uh, discussion after discussion and kind of talked about what it would look like, what it was going to be like, what the experience was going to um, feel like, and I know it was a momentous occasion for you. Yeah. Talk, talk to me a little bit about the emotion that that you had sending her to college, and how you equipped her for this new adventure. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a weekend, so uh, let's not get carried away. Right. But uh, going, you just with- stopped crying yesterday, like me. Right. Yeah. I mean, this might be weird about tears, but going to her senior year. Um, you and I have been talking because your daughter's a year ahead of my daughter. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. this is going to be a long year, but it was not. It was a very, very quick year. Um, I remember in the fall, this time last year, when she came up from school for a full month, um, I disciplined myself and her to do applications every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, she hated it, but she got accepted earlier than most of her friends. And so in January, she was in a good space, but sending her off was uh, a rocky, you know, it's like up and down emotions. It was like excited for the graduation, excited for the acceptance letters. And then as the weeks came closer to her going to to move in, it was just interesting because you can hear the silence in our house with like the change that's about to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, We took her last week um, in preparation. The packing was, you know, it was a, a pull back and forth because it was like you can't take all this stuff but there were things she wanted but getting to campus um and i I was the first in my family but our experiences were very different my folks dropped me off and they peeled or they left Mm -hmm. for us you're on your own jack here's twenty dollars 
Uh, right. <laughs> beat up that vending machine and have a good time. Uh, That's got to last you for the next three months. Three months. You know what I mean? <laughs> there was no cell phones or nothing like that. So I, I remember just how that feels. And I've tried to put myself in her position, but we dropped her off. One of the things I'm very proud of, um, and I did this almost four years ago. She was a freshman in high school. I wrote her a letter. And the letter was read the day that she was dropped off for college. And emotionally, I was pretty good leading up to going to the campus and everything. But the night before we dropped her off, we were staying in the area and I opened the letter. And I read the letter. And it was um, it wasn't until I got to, and I did a, it was basically a, a recall of monumental events, you know, riding a bike, mm-hmm. tying shoes, things like that. But at the very end, I wrote a sentence that says, um, as much as I want to hold you, it's time to let you go. Mm. And that was written four years ago. Mm. Um, and I mean, by this time, it's four of us in the room and we it's just it's snot bubbles everywhere. I mean, <laughs> we're just crying. But what I wanted to have happen happened, which was to be able to leave her with something that she, you know, can, and I didn't save a copy of it. I have a copy for myself and a copy for her. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that she did with it was, um, and all the moving in and out, she kept it on her the entire time. Um, Mm -hmm. Embrace at the end of that conversation was, it was nothing like a father and a daughter. I mean, it's just, you know, you know, um, it was special, but Um, the next couple days mixed, mixed in with moving and things like that. Um, I even saw, and we're pretty close. I even saw, a, a deeper connection and we have a younger daughter who was in the room as well. And I, I think mm-hmm. I told her this week, she said, dad, I write grants. She said, dad, if that was a grant, you would have won the grant. That's how good the letter was. That's uh, $5 million champ. That's $5 million. But it, it, it's been interesting, man, because, um, this week, um, she's called us, she's FaceTimed us, but, um, for us, we miss her. We've gone out a couple nights this week and I'm used to saying table for four and I've been finding myself saying table for three. You know what I mean? Wow. wow. It's huge, man. I don't think anybody yeah. can prepare you for it. Um, mm-hmm. but I appreciate you. I appreciate Kelly little. I appreciate Antoine medley. There's a couple brothers who are in the same position as me, who just kind of said, mm-hmm. you're going to be good, bro. Yeah, it's a it's a different it's a different type of parenting that you have to do now. Yeah. Right? It's a different type of parenting. You have to let go of um, one phase and then you start to embrace the next phase. Yeah. Right. So so now for you, you, you got one out the door. Right. Mm-hmm. But you're also still juggling the needs of that college student and also the needs of a high schooler. And that's nothing that's easy. It's not an easy feat. How do you ensure that you're present for both of them academically? Right. Because there's two different spaces. You're navigating now a young adult and someone who is your other daughter is a junior. Right. Mm-hmm. You're navigating now trying to guide her into and get into this space where your oldest daughter is while your oldest daughter is now moving mm-hmm. into the next phase of life. So how are you making sure that you're present for both of them academically? You know, um, this might sound like a detour from your question, but taking care of myself. Hmm. Um in most roles that you and I play and any father who's watching, we might not verbalize it, but we carry a lot, you know, as we walk through the, the house or the halls or whatever in the streets. But I have decided at the end of last year, the school year, um, my youngest, I felt like needed a little bit, needed something different from me than Peyton, my oldest. Mm-hmm. So for me, I've been very conscious with using the word no. Um, over the years, my wife is an angel. She's allowed me to fulfill my dream and still be present, but I want to self-regulate. So working out, um, I've always done, but I've definitely intensified the time I spend with myself. Meditation I've done, but also something I've never really done. You know, my learning around dads being at school is to go in and fix the problem. You know, mm-hmm. um, this year, going into my youngest's junior year, um, she has a principal for her grade. And I reached out to him and I said, hey, I need your help. Um, I know this is going to be different for my youngest. 
And I want to be a partner with you these next two years to make sure that she gets what she needs. So I have been intentional in making sure a I'm available. Um, there are some things I've wanted to do professionally the last several years that I have said I will get to them in a couple of years. Uh, I've said no to things. So managing my time, but also just really dedicating space for her. But also, and this is new to me, and you've been helping me a lot. Um, every conversation with our oldest is not a correction conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, when she calls and like she had a Mountain Dew, which she's never had in this house, you know, it's like, <laughs> okay. It, it wasn't even time. You know what I mean? <laughs> she had the freedom pill, you know? Right, so, right, right. But taking care do of myself, do. taking right. care of myself. If I can, if I can continue doing that, because I'm no good to them if I'm no good to myself. So I need right, to make sure right. I'm managing that and just being available to them. Now I've heard you, I've heard you talk about your father. And mm -hmm. uh, when I when I hear you talk about your father, I always think about in my mind, I always see an image of Kevin Hart talking about his dad walking in the class and he's like, all right, all right, all right. And he's just, you know, I, every time I hear you talk about your dad, I think about Kevin Hart's dad. And that is yeah. the epitome of what like fatherhood and education was growing up in the 70s yeah. and in the 80s, which is totally different from what we do now and how involved we are now. Yeah. Um, how did you learn to be this engaged in your daughter's education? Because you didn't have that that same blueprint that that you're following now for yourself, right? Like you said, back in the day, the dad came to fix a problem. He was there to be the disciplinarian. He was there to correct. How did you get the tools that you have now to go in and start being involved and engaged in your kid's education? Yeah, I think part of it was my wife. Um, I didn't get the book when they were born. You probably got the book because I know you're from Virginia. You probably got the book. <laughs> in they, South they didn't Carolina, have books in the 757. Oh, they did get No, sir. No, sir. Not in Norfolk. They didn't have the books in Norfolk. Uh-uh. No, it's, they didn't. It's it's been a it's been a, a learn as you go type deal. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm fortunate that my wife has been next to me throughout the process, but she did have that kind of father. You know, she did have the academic supports. You know, I was an athlete, so mm -hmm. I wasn't disrespectful, so I didn't have that many issues. But for me. My questions have always been, and it's a different feel when I walk in a building, just be honest. Um, I've had my kids' teachers say, you know, your dad is mean. And I'm like, I ain't even say nothing. Uh, right. So managing that, so I've had to temper, you know, my approach, but also not my expectations. But for me, it's just really listening to my kids. Um, mm -hmm. My kids have, they are, they're proud of me. They're very proud of me. And so when I hear them talk to their teachers about me, they talk about everything that you and I talk about. My dad's here. My dad's presenting here. He got this award. He won this grant. They tell all of this business at the school. So for me, it's just really showing up as best I can with my presence. Um, I haven't really had to do what my dad did when I was a kid, you know, because uh, they're pretty well behaved. But this next two years will be honestly new for me. Uh, I'm not really had to do anything where I felt like something is missing and I, it's mm -hmm. me. I need to be there. So I don't know if I answered your question, but yeah. Was, was, was there a time? I, and I'll, let me, I'll tell a story before I, I'll preface this with the story before I ask, yeah. ask the question. Um, for me, you know, I didn't know that what I was doing was, was making a difference until one moment. And for those who don't know my story, like I moved from, Virginia to North Carolina to be closer to my daughter. I was adamant about taking her to school on the first day of school, starting from kindergarten every year up until middle school when it wasn't cool for me to take her to school anymore on the first day. Um, but I didn't know that I was making a difference. And, and I, I forget what grade she was in, um, but her I was at a, a parent teacher's conference and the teacher was telling me that um, she was trying to teach my daughter double digit multiplication and my daughter already knew double digit multiplication, right? Because for me, I would make it a, uh, a practice to prepare my daughter for the grade before, you know, during the summer. So the next grade that she was going up to, I would prepare her for a grade up in the summer. So 
the teacher asked my daughter, she said, well, how do you know how to do double digit multiplication? And my daughter said, my dad taught me. Mm-hmm. Right. And the teacher told me that in the in the parent teachers conference. And I said, oh, like it is making a difference, like I am doing something right, because as fathers, it doesn't always feel like we are making a difference. Uh, so I'll ask you, was there a moment uh, in your in your father engagement journey uh, where you felt like you were making a difference that that stood out to you that that made you feel like, yes, I'm making a difference in my kids education specifically? Yeah. So um, I, I'm going to go back to because like I've always been at the school. I've always dropped them off. I've always gone to all these functions, but like actively inserting myself. I've done what everybody was expecting. I've never done the extra. Um, I, I remember this story. And one of my biggest things is that my kids are safe. And I'll never forget my youngest, who's now 15. Um, she was at a, a, a charter school in Delaware. And I'll never forget this. Um, when they were little, I've always said to them, if anything happens to you, tell me and your mom, we will take care of the adults. Don't worry about anything. You stay a kid. And I'll never forget, she was probably in the third grade. And she, I picked them up every day. And I would get them in the car and we'd talk about the day. And she's a very, um, she's like me, you know. Um, she doesn't mind crying, but she's typically happy. And I'll never forget getting the car showtime. She says, I said, how was your day? I turned around. She started crying. I said, we're driving away from the school. I said, what happened? She was just crying. I said, what happened? She said, uh, another kid and her got into an argument. The parent picked the kid up and the parent said to my daughter, she said, you're a bad child. Mm. So I don't know if you know Dukes of Hazard, but I... <laughs> I slung that truck around. I know Fast and Furious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vin Diesel. I know Vin yeah. Diesel. There's a lot of fighting going on on there. Yeah. I know, yeah. I know that. So I turned the truck around. Again, for all of my children's lives, when I've gone into the school system, most people anticipate they have a stereotype about us, you know, as a dad, regardless of race, I believe. So I, I walked in. The parent was still there. And I walk in, my youngest, and I, she's crying. I said to the lady, I said, if you don't mind, call your husband. I want to be respectful. I said, call your husband. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, respectfully, no. Right. Yeah, respectfully. She said, no. I said, well, let me just say this to you. I said, if you have an issue with my daughter, bring it to me and, and my wife. I said, we're here every day. And so end of the conversation was, I said, I don't know what happened, but don't do that again because it upset my daughter. And I left took them to get ice cream. I praise her for telling me what happened. And going back to when I first said this to them, when they were very little, if you ever have an issue, tell me your mom. And she remembered that I said to her, we will take care of the adults. Mm -hmm. Um, We never had an issue since. So when I think about one of my roles, one of our roles as dads is to make sure they feel supported um, I felt hugely proud that I delivered on a promise that I told her I would deliver on. Um, and mm-hmm. that's been that's been huge. Academically speaking, I, this is my wife's kids. I mean, our kids are smart. Um, what I have to do is just reinforce. Go ahead and read that book before you go to bed. Um, let's do these applications. You know, mm-hmm. Peyton getting into school this past fall or this this fall was I'm proud to say I disciplined ourselves for that month to do that. So it wasn't anything that's fanfare, you know, related, but I was there for that. I was there Mm -hmm, for that. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think you speak to an important point that it's important to advocate for Mm -hmm. your kids. Oftentimes as parents, we are either afraid or we don't have the knowledge or we don't have, I don't, I don't know what it is, but sometimes we don't advocate enough for our kids. Right. And I think it's important that we as fathers know that it's okay to go to a school and, and speak up for your kids, whether it be to another parent, whether it be to a teacher, whether it be to uh, an administrator, you have to be your child's biggest advocate. And I think sometimes as fathers, we don't, you know, we don't get that. Sometimes we just kind of let stuff go by. Okay. If that's what the teachers say, 
That's what the yeah. teachers say. If that's what, you know, if that's what the other adults said, you know, no, you gotta, you have to go. And especially for me as someone who has, you know, my youngest son, my son is on the spectrum. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have to go through IEPs and making sure that he gets everything that he needs, all of the services that he needs and all of those things. So advocating for your kids is extremely important. Now also feel free to drop comments in the chat. Also feel free to uh, like, share, and subscribe. If you're on LinkedIn, if you're on Facebook, this is an exclusive, uh, live event that I'm only doing for the Black People Parenting Facebook group and for my uh, LinkedIn community, Patrick's LinkedIn community. So please feel free to uh, share this and give us some comment and show us some uh, love. Shout out to the folks who have commented so far. Definitely appreciate that love. Uh, So let's kind of pivot just a little bit. We we talked about entrepreneurship and we talked about uh, marriage and family and having all of those things on your plate. How do you and your wife navigate just the shared responsibilities of the education. Like you said, when it comes to education, I know that those are her kids, but what role does she play and what role do you play um, in the process? I think we do a good job of demonstrating for our kids. Um, Mm -hmm. Both of us finished college. Um, We have always said to them that this is what we expect of them. Um, We have demonstrated relationship management. not very uncommon for us to be someplace and people know our kids through a Facebook post. And so they find out somewhat by proxy that we talk about them all the time. So I think mm-hmm. making them aware that we're proud of them. But for us, it's been just kind of staying on the path. Um, one of the things that we did together, a very good friend of mine who was a superintendent of education in South Carolina some years ago, as we were going to middle school, he said, make sure your kids are in AP classes. And I was like, you know, I was an average, I'm sorry, below average student. (laughs) And he said, no matter what, your kids will rise to the level of expectation that you have for them. And we put them both in accelerated classes from sixth grade on. And that was something that we did together. Um, our kids knew it, the schools knew it. Um, and it was, for me, it was, again, it was new for me. Um, that, that wasn't my background. That wasn't the way we did things, but we have demonstrated, we've communicated, and then we've reinforced the, the importance of finishing what you start. Very mm-hmm. important. So, um, mm-hmm. amazing. She's amazing. She is. She is. I, I, I love me some Sharani. I think she is the perfect, uh, match to be sure that you do everything that you need to do because she is, you know, she is the brains of the operation. She yeah. is the looks of the operation. She yeah. is the one that makes sure that global partners for fathers and family flourishes to the level because if not for her, good brother, let me tell you. I the Wi-Fi know. will be off. <laughs> the unstable Wi-Fi right now. Right. I don't know where you would be right now. So let's 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 talk for a second to the dads who are just kind of embarking on this uh, journey of education um, and being involved in their kids' education. What what words of wisdom would you impart to them? Yeah, I would I would I could think of um, three things that we have done. I think done well. Um, if my kids like it, I learn to love it. Mm-hmm. Like my oldest, you know, she became fascinated with nails and she wanted mm-hmm. to start her own business. Um, we became her first clients, you know, um, and as a dad, I would sit and get my nails done before she even started taking clients. Mm-hmm. And I remember the conversation two years ago. She said, I want to start my business, but I don't want to make any mistakes. That was a man. That was like a alley-oop. Mm-hmm. You know, life lesson alley-oop. So we have totally supported um, and endorsed her in that regard. My youngest um, is a cook, chef, baker. And in the same regard, since she was young, the kitchen was her homework. I mean, that was her homeroom. She enjoyed the kitchen. So mm-hmm. her last year of school, um, she created a business and it, it flourished. So I would say if your kids like it, learn to love it. It may change, you know, but what they really want is to know that you are interested in supporting that thing. The second thing I would say is keep them active. I mean, activities, whether it be social, it could be church, it could be athletics. Um, I have learned to appreciate structure and I know that kids need structure. 
So if they have the summers off where they get to sleep until 3 p.m., I'm not judging nobody. Uh, but you're missing an opportunity to get them involved. So we got them jobs. Well, they, they got their jobs. But they started working early. Um, and it was great for them to understand that all the stuff we've been saying about how you manage people, they saw the angry client. They saw the frustrated person. They saw the happy person. They saw the person that tipped them when they did good. So um, keep them active. And then the last thing I'll say, and it's probably number one, is praying over them and praying with them. Um, mm -hmm. That's going to serve them better once they leave our house more than anything else. So those three things I would say to a new dad are paramount. I like it. Now, as a father, we know that every journey has hurdles. Um, it's never easy. What challenges have you encountered, especially being someone who is, um, you know, as busy and, and, you know, life be life, man, especially when you get to the age where you really got to, you know, really maneuver and, and, and things start happening in life. What are some of the challenges that you faced in staying connected to your daughter's education and how did you like, how did you navigate them? Because, you know, as again, as a father, you know, we know it could be hard to get to the, the parent teachers conferences. It can yeah. be hard to join the PTAs. It could be hard to keep up. You know, uh, I think it's easier now with 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 apps and social media and things like yeah. that. But what are some of the challenges that you face and how did you kind of overcome? them? I, I think um, for most dads who are whether in the house or not, we still want to provide for our kids. Mm -hmm. And at the height of starting my business, I mean, there was a huge positive response to me doing things that I love, you know, fatherhood and grant trainings. And so I was getting requests, you know, places I, I just never thought I'd be doing business, actually. And so um, early in my professional career, my own business, I just thought I couldn't say no to those things. I cannot not go to South Dakota. I can't go to New Orleans. I, I got to go to New Orleans. You know, I got to do this with the NFL or whatever it was. And I, I like to self-correct. I'd always like to do that before my wife has to do that. And so managing my time was huge. Um, I enjoy dropping my kids off at school, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I had to prioritize that. The other thing I think that I'm very transparent about was I believe I was burnt out. I believe I was I had anxiety. I believe I was probably depressed um, for a period of their development because I was taking on more than I could carry. And it looked normal because I smile a lot, but there were nights when it got dark and everybody was asleep. I'm thinking to myself, bruh, why is my heart beating so fast? Mm -hmm. um, so with the schools, you know, making sure that I prioritize spending time with them, dropping them off. Um, if they have an event at the school, being there. And I, this goes back to my earlier point. Um, it's just really regulating myself. Saying no to things has been making them the priority has been a, a big difference from a challenge I had in the beginning to where I am now. Like this next school year for both of them, um, I can't recall watching a football game fully in the last couple of years. I'm going to do that this year. I'm actually going to take my youngest to a couple games, just me and her. Mm -hmm. So that to me has been like a, a mind shift for me, how I'm doing this moving forward. Now you, you touched on, you touched on mental health and I'm always an advocate for uh, exploring conversations about mental health and having those important conversations uh, with a, with a daughter entering college Mm -hmm. um, with a daughter who will soon be entering college, we know that, you know, mental health is a huge, uh, it's a huge deal when it comes to our young folks, specifically coming out, coming out of COVID. They don't necessarily have all of the tools that they need to cope. Uh, they don't have the communication skills. Mm -hmm. How have you been able to exhibit to them the importance of, uh, taking care of your mental health? Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting because I didn't do this well um, early on, but the whole meditation piece um, when when Kelly Little put me on, um, I invited my entire family to the garage. This is the height of COVID because I felt overwhelmed actually. At the height of COVID, we started practicing meditation. Um, in the letter that I mentioned earlier, some of the stuff that I included for my daughter was to stretch your body 
but also stretch your mind. Um, me going to counseling is not a secret. You know, my wife going to counseling is not a secret. Us going to counseling as a couple is not a secret in our house. Mm-hmm. You know, we've made that clear that sometimes you need additional help and it's not always to fix something. You know, sometimes it's just like getting your oil changed to keep you going, you know, longer. But mm-hmm. I have not hid the fact that I've been stressed. Um, I've not hid the fact what I've done. My kids watch me work out every day. It's not a I want to look like, you know, Ving Diesel, um, but it frees me. It gives me stress relief. It gives me peace of mind. So part of our strategy is not just to tell them, um, it's to show them. It's been really mm-hmm. big for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think exhibiting the behavior that you want to see is huge, right? Because I can I can tell you something, um, but if I show you that and if I show you how to uh, live this way and I give you this tool, but it, you also see that it's, that it's a tool that I'm living by, yeah. uh, then that's, the you know, a lot of times that's all the proof that you need. Yeah. Uh, so you, your youngest is uh, entering her junior year and she'll soon be a senior. Are there any... <laughs> insights from your oldest and from that journey that you'll carry forward with you? I think it's, and they're different kids too, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had to recognize that. Um, Like I said, our oldest, she laughs and says she was a guinea pig, which I mean, she was. Right. They all are. Right. That first one, they all are. Yeah. 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 Just trying to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, um, and the way I speak to each one of them is different because they have different responses to certain things. But I think for my oldest, what I will do is maintain my expectations. Um, what I what I what I will probably do differently. Um, I don't like seeing my girls cry. And if you, nobody does, you know, their mm-hmm. children cry, but when our oldest was in the ninth grade she sang she sings beautifully and we were paying for singing lessons and she cried every time we turned the corner to go to those lessons um i think with my youngest she also has a set of gifts and we caved to our oldest crying so we stopped her junior year we stopped singing lessons she can still she sings around the house all the time with my youngest, as we enter this year and next year, things I know that she will need to get ready for the next level. She can cry, she can scream, she can kick, but we're going to make sure that we put her in play, in position to be successful. She wants to be, at this point, she wants to be in the kitchen someplace. It will be scary for her probably to be in new environments, but we're going to position her for success. Regardless of how I can see, my wife can see. We've always seen this. I don't think we would stop because they're crying. She's crying this time around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That'll be big. Problem. So, kind of like what Dwight Howard was doing with his son on the bike. Did you see that video? Yep, he was crying. Right, he was crying. Yeah, as, as he yep. was as he was working out. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Okay. Gonna, okay. Not, so, not gonna do that. Not you know, not gonna stop just because of that. Mm-hmm. You you could you could take a break. You could you could take a breather, but you ain't gonna stop. Mm-mm. Okay. So as as you prepare your youngest for greatness, um, in your view, what do you think educational institutions can do to foster greater father engagement? What can mm. the schools do? What can the what can the systems do? What can the school districts improve on? I'm an advocate for training. Um, mm-hmm. I've never believed that people intentionally not everybody do things to keep men out of the school, but it's kind of baked into the system. Um, I believe schools can train around implicit bias. Um, I don't think it's on purpose that I've gotten probably four calls in my children's lifetime where they've called my phone and asked for my wife. So I think train to, to attend to something with my daughters, I think training is really important. Um, I do believe that kids learn in the classroom and outside the classroom. I mean, you can go to lots of research that showcases that men are physical, active learners. So creating spaces where we can come and be there, maybe not in the classroom, maybe in the playground, could be fishing. All of the stuff is still STEM related, 
Uh, I think being outside the classroom is really important. And then the last thing is, it sounds crazy, but celebrating the dads. Um, in my life, there are three A's that I've seen that men benefit from. Um, one of them is appreciation. When I get appreciated, when you get appreciated, when most guys get appreciated, we do that thing more. So some way of not to not celebrate moms. I'm not saying that. I'm not doing this competition thing, but when those dads are there finding ways, whether it's a donuts with dads or fishing with dads or, you know, basketball with dads, some way to acknowledge those guys. That's the second A that I would say schools can do a better job, but would be really helpful. Yeah. So in this, in, we're now in, an, in, a, in a space and a time where technology is um, key, right? And I think that, you know, schools need to do a better job of including technology in their plan for engaging fathers, right? I think the days of sending a newsletter home in the kid's backpack and expecting the kid to get it to the dad, I think them days are long gone, right? Yeah. If you're not if you're not on some sort of social media platform, if you're not yeah. using Remind, if you're not using uh, Class Dojo, like all of those things, like all of those tools that a lot of times uh, folks can run away from because they're scared of the technology I think those things could help. Um, are there any tools or resources that you could think of uh, from a digital aspect that could that could help schools be better with their engagement? Yeah, I, I, I would advocate for I don't get any money by saying this, but some years ago we were working with some dads in Charlotte and we used a platform called Slick Text. It's mm. all one word, Slick Text. That's, that sounds like a different type of. <laughs> Slick text. Sound like I, know, a different type I know. I know. I know. Stay with me, y'all. Stay with okay, me. Okay. 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 I didn't know where you were going. Okay. But it was. Uh, it is a tool that you can program to send out communications to a database, and it's it 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 feels like this. You've been to an outlet or a store where it says text these numbers, and it enrolls you into a database um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that communicates. Hey, we have a sale this week. With this vehicle, and there are several others just like it, you can use that same thing to say, here are three ways that we need you this month, Dad. You know, um, We'd like to acknowledge the following dads. I mean, you got to manage this thing well. But mm -hmm. most guys are not apt to take a call. But if you text a guy, he's going to see it and likely respond to it. But I, I thought that was a very time-sensitive way to get stuff to dads, but also not take up his time, which is precious for all of us. But right. slick text is one. The other thing that I have appreciated over the years, is not technology. It's just the creation of moments with our kids. And I still have, I'm sure you still have two things that my kids did when they were younger. One was mm -hmm. a t-shirt with their painted hands on it. Oh yeah. I think we all saw that or see that. And then the other one was a baseball with their painted hands on it. And we've moved three times since they did those things. Each time we've moved, those things have been put in my car. They've not been put on the truck with mm -hmm. the, the movers. So technology, slick text, but I think just finding ways to create those kind of unforgettables is the way to get dads involved for sure. Hmm, for sure. Um, now, as as fathers, like we talked about earlier, our role in education has transformed uh, over time, and we both have kind of witnessed that. Yeah. Uh, where do you envision envision our role as engaged fathers going in the do school? You think it in the schools, yes. What you, talk to me? What you mean? Do you do you think we will ever get to a point where those teachers do not have to have? Uh, implicit bias training? Do you think we would ever get to a point where we don't get uh, those looks like, oh, you're a dad. Oh, I'm surprised you're here. Like, <laughs> do, do you think we're, we'll ever get to that point or are we just kind of, we we going to settle in right where we are? I, I have a dream. <laughs> okay. That, Talk one, to us, that one day <laughs> it won't be necessary, but just because of you're dealing with humans, um, who are raised, you know, differently. I, I don't think it's, I really do dream that there'll be a day that this is not a conversation around implicit bias, particularly as it comes to dads. But I've been in settings where 
you you would think people would know better. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But everybody has their own story, you know. And I've met some tremendously successful people who have biases toward these are men and women who have biases towards fathers. Sometimes it's known, sometimes it's unknown, but I don't, I think it will always be needed, even if it's a refresher. Um, that's just how I feel. I mean, I've, you've seen it. I mean, you've, you've been in IEP meetings where they kind of like I lived it. I lived it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like how are you, you, how, 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 are you how do you know so many questions? Right. What do you say? I said, well, how, do, how why are you asking so many questions? How do you like, how do you know all this stuff? How do you know so much about the school? Like, did you yeah. look up the, the school's report card? Yeah, I did actually. Yeah. I did. And y'all, I see y'all have a D and I need yeah. you to explain why there were three shootings and stabbings at the school yeah. last year. I, talk to me. Like, what's up? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I wish that it wasn't the case, but I think as long as we're dealing with humans that come from different backgrounds, I think you're going to need it. Um, mm -hmm. And it does matter. I mean, there are things that you and I probably unaware of that we were raised doing that could be mm -hmm. corrected. But um, yeah, that's my dream. Yeah. OK, uh, as we wrap up and we, we, we bring this conversation full circle, I want to get back to Global Partners for Fathers and Families. And looking ahead, are there any exciting uh, initiatives or projects on the table that folks should be on the lookout for from you and from the organization? Yeah, um, a couple of things that have happened um, during the pandemic. My company grew like five times mm. and I wasn't traveling. I should have been happier, but I wasn't. Mm. So when I think about what I'm going to definitely try to elevate more, it's just a case around every guy who's smiling is not happy. Um, how do we create a safe space for guys to say, you know, I'm not well, uh, I'm hurting. And so the next round of trainings that you'll see from me would definitely dig into trauma and the things that guys carry that are not evident to the, to the average eye. Um, I also want to, I've been in North Carolina now six years. For five years, I did a Fathers and Sons Conference in South Carolina. Uh, I can't say all that's going to happen because I'm still negotiating some stuff. But the plan is to actually put a footprint in North Carolina that brings that same energy where dads and sons could be in a room together and either build or rebuild those relationships. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, that's huge for us. That's, that's on the horizon for us. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Patrick Patterson, Global Fathers, Global, <laughs> Global Fathers for Fathers and Families. Yeah. One more question, man, as we wrap up, um, one golden nugget of, nugget of advice that you will offer all fathers about remaining deeply engaged in their children's education. Um, Words matter. Mm. Words matter. You know, what you say to your kids, they believe. And I'm from a generation where we crack jokes with kids. You're big old head. You're going to mm -hmm. be a dummy, mm -hmm. that type thing. Um, mm -hmm. Time out. Time out for that. Time out for that. Um, being very intentional about what you say to your kids. You can do math. Versus, you, I struggle with math. None of us yeah, are good yeah, at yeah. math. My whole family yeah, not yeah, good at yeah. math. Yeah, that's good. Um, words matter. You know, mm -hmm. my coach when I was in high school, and I tell my kids this in different situations, my coach would tell me, i never forget as a ninth grader, I was going to be starting playing football. And I would say, I have a hard time reading this playbook. And he said, if you say it's going to be hard for you, it's going to be hard for you. Mm -hmm. And so I tell my kids, you know, when they've had, stretch moments and they say I, you know this is gonna i don't know how to make friends or this is gonna be difficult and i would say to them like if you say it's gonna be difficult it's gonna be difficult so words matter you know my daughters are beautiful they're smart they're inspirational they're ambitious and those are the kind of words i practice with them all the time i want to leave them with those positive images or, or words that they can actually hold on to but words matter is if, that, if I've learned nothing in my journey as a father, and I've got a hundred examples of 
where it's mattered. Uh, what you say to your kids matters. It matters. I think there's a there's a, a a quote that says the man who or the person who believes he can and the person who believes he can't are both right. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. you know, instilling that belief into our young people, I think it's it's paramount, and I think there is nothing. Um, more important than making sure that they believe in themselves, making sure that uh, they believe in their abilities. Kelly said the power of uh, life and death are in the tongue, speak life. Uh, I think those words, man, like you said, words matter. And that's something that we both have uh, done uh, up until this point, you know, just, just speaking life into our girls and to our, to my son and, you know, just really, really speaking out. And I think it's important. So, Let's close there. Shout out to everybody. I appreciate y'all for for watching and, and, and being a part of this first episodes of Dads in the Class. I don't know how far it's going to go. I don't know if it's going to be in a limited audio series, a limited Facebook. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to do something to be sure that we continue to have this conversation about uh, fathers and our role in the education of our young people. Uh, Pete, tell them how they can follow you. Tell them how they, this is exclusively on LinkedIn right now. Just give them all of the information about how to uh, connect with you and uh, your organization. Uh, Patrick Pat 803, as in Columbia area code, Patrick Pat with one T 803 on most social media platforms. My website is um, globalpartnersff.com. You go to the website, you'll see fatherhood training opportunities. We're doing some work with some schools here in North Carolina and in South Carolina. And then you'll also see an opportunity to connect with us around grants. If you are a nonprofit, uh, we've done now about $80 million in grants over the last 20 years for organizations. If you're looking to find funding for your work, um, feel free to reach out to us. But I also can't end without saying I got to say a big shout out to the moms, uh, specifically my wife, because without her, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, I feel successful. Um, I am successful. And I give her a lot of credit for being an ear for me, a non-judgmental ear for me. And I think a lot of brothers need that. So I um, appreciate you, Showtime. That's a fact. Thank you, good brother. I appreciate you. I love you, man. Kelly Little, we love you, man. Um, so, yeah, we just keep this conversation going. Next week, we got another conversation that we're going to have. We already got a guest lined up. Uh, so we just can keep going for as long as y'all have us. So we'll see y'all on the next episode of Dads in the Class. Peace. Yep.